Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike. I'm joined, as always, by the president of memes of Jets Twitter. It's NYJ Matt, and we have a very special guest on today, our first recurring guest. He is the co-founder and owner of Jets X Factor. He has more statistical football knowledge than Antonio Cromartie has children. He yearns for Arthur Smith to be the 19th head coach in the history of the New York Jets franchise. It's Michael Nania. Welcome, Michael. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the intro. And I mean, <laughs> since I've come on, the Jets have not won a game. It is an honor to be the first recurring guest, but I mean, maybe it's best I don't come on. But also, since JetX started, zero wins for that as well. So I mean, I think it's, it's our fault, both you guys and us, for starting these sites. We're complicit. Yeah, 100%. The last time we had you on, we asked you some ridiculous hypotheticals. We have more in store for you today. If you were a pass rusher against Mekhi Becton, you had 100 times you're rushing the quarterback, and he has no arms, how many sacks do you get? <laughs> if he has no arms? I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to sound too cocky, but I feel like if he has no arms, I could probably get a good five sacks. Out of <laughs> right? Does Aaron that sound Maven. too cocky? What do you guys think? No, I like that. I thought you were going to say more I thought you were going to say like 30 and break the sack record. Um, yeah. Five is a, I mean, is a though, he, strong at, at his frame, though, I mean, I feel like he could just leap into me and he just could knock hit you me with down his, just like that. But yeah. I could definitely get a few good rips around the edge. and be, uh, It depends on who the quarterback is. If it's, um, uh, if it's Kyler Murray, maybe I'm not getting any sacks. But if it's Joe Flacco, <laughs> maybe I'll get a handful. Does he have, like, shoulders? Or is it just, no, like, nothing? I would say... Uh, no arms at all. It's just the torso <laughs> to his head. I'm just, I'm just picturing this in my mind. It's, I'm gonna, it's I'm still gonna, somewhat intimidating. I'm going to make a Photoshop and edit having no arms and then play the audio over it. All right. That would be hilarious. Here's another one. You either have to – which is more likely? You have to avoid Harvey Lange on a football field for 60 seconds. You have to stay inbounds. You start on opposite 30-yard lines. Or – you have one month to learn previously, and you have to reapply Quinn and, William, Quinn and Williams braces correctly, which is more likely to occur. So I have, I have to learn how to apply braces. You get, and you get I one have month. To, Every and resource. I have to apply. It takes orthodontics like four years to learn how to do that. <laughs> oh, my God. You're which not going to avoid Harvey I, oh, So I feel like if I had – a hundred tries to avoid avoid Harvey Lange for sixty. Is it just him making contact with me, or does he have to tackle me? If he makes contact with you, I think bad things are going to happen. So I think either or. I, I mean, based on what you said, if it really does take four years for them to learn how to do that, I'd probably go with Harvey Lange. But I don't know if I had all of eternity to do either of those things if I could get it done. <laughs> I mean, maybe if I could get retries at the braces thing. I could probably pick up some knowledge, but like if we're just redoing it over and over again, I'd probably not be able to do either one. But I would probably have to go with Langy. I mean, maybe I could steal one out of a million if he trips or something, or yeah. just tears his ACL. That would probably be my only. That's chance. a good point. That's, yeah, a, that's true. A huge that could happen. Um, all right, another one we have for you. Braden Mann sets the NFL record for a 99-yard punt, or. Seattle week 14, Mekhi Becton 
pancakes Jamal Adams, decleating him, losing both of his cleats in the play. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to go the Seattle one with Jamal Adams. I feel okay. like wow. that's relatively – and that's not a knock on brain man. I could see him setting the 99-yard punt record <laughs> or at least you know having multiple of them. But I, <laughs> I could see – I could see Jamal's going to be coming in on some blitzes, and you know Beckton's going to – be looking out for him and and we've seen him make a lot of great blocks on dbs this season so i can definitely see it i could see that happening i'm surprised i thought you were gonna pick i thought you were going man we both thought you were gonna pick man i know i know i'm, I'm kind of surprised myself when i thought it through like it's i got death i could picture that that's something i could picture ha- i could uh, i know it sounds like i'm just completely off the man bandwagon <laughs> here i could i could picture that also but i gotta go with beckton here i could definitely see that happening yeah, Jamal's five and a half sacks this year. Shit. Dude, he had he two. He had two last Sunday, and I know he was getting torched up and down for that one tackle, where he didn't really come in on the goal line. But I watched that whole game, and I wasn't one to you know call out Jamal Adams because he did have two sacks. He's been when he's on the field playing pretty well, but that stat of seventy-eight out of eighty-two in coverage, uh, not boding well for him. But Nanny, I saw one of your tweets talking about it's kind of unfair to not understand the great coverage Jamal Adams has done in his career with the Jets. Uh, it, it seems like kind of a fluky start for him, and, and he'll probably you know pick it back up. Yeah, yeah, and, and I do think the Seahawks are kind of uh, – I mean, I mean the, the bust that he's had, I mean, he had that awful game against Edelman and the Patriots, and then it was the Bills with Stephon Diggs mostly and John Brown. And when he's with the Jets, you never really saw them ask him to cover wide receivers, but when he focused on tight ends, it was, it was lockdown and he put up really good coverage numbers uh, in 2018, 2019. So I think they're kind of misusing him in that way. But the, like you said, the sack, he's actually second in the whole league in sacks per game right now behind Garrett. So in terms of, and also the pressures per game, he's on pace to break his own record for safeties for the third straight year. So in terms of the in the box stuff, he's still doing it, but uh, but I mean, still, at, at the same time, with some of the stuff he's been saying, I mean, he was depressed uh, and had to leave the Jets, even though he wanted them to re-sign him and he was mad they wanted to trade him. Uh, it, it's still hard not to root against him, especially with the traffic yeah. implications. So still rooting against him is a fun thing to do. Yeah, I didn't realize that depression caused you to tweet about Texas every five seconds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and on. another thing with that, too, is to your point, he wanted to resign. He kept saying that. He said that they were shopping him first when in reality in the video, he, his dad and his agent were calling teams or, or trying to get him getting moved. You know, depression, I, I didn't really, I stayed away from that tweet. I didn't really want to get into it, but uh, a lot of people make a point of, look, just because you're losing games and you're upset, which everybody does when they lose, doesn't mean you're depressed. But regardless of Jamal Adams, the 2020 Jets have not had a lot of good moments this year. We always talk about it's tough when your team's out of it, in late October, early November every year. But you usually get those, you know, four or five weeks of maybe they're two and three, maybe they're one and two, and, and they're meaningful games. From day one, week one, it's been tough. So we wanted to talk through the top five or just any top moments from the year. Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, anything off the bat that, that sticks out to you as a top moment? My actual number one moment from this season is Sam Darnold's touchdown run against Denver. That was one. Of, that was one of the, you know, and even at that point, Jets are zero three, and uh, you know, Sam later got hurt in that game. But at that moment, I was like, 
Nice. You know, it would, felt some happiness. It was drive one after a horrible, not good game week one, an eh game week two, and a bad game week three. We found our guy who came out there and was a 48-yard touchdown run, and we thought that would be the momentum. Denver coming on a short week, uh, flying across the country. We thought that would be a very winnable game. Did not happen. Uh, Nanny, what about you? What are, what are some of the best moments of 2020? So, I mean, like you guys said, in terms of rooting, like I was checked out. I mean, you could feel exactly where they are now. You could picture that after, after you saw the Jets on offense once and the Bills on offense once in that first game. You could picture exactly where they are right now. You saw it coming. So the rooting interest, I, there really hasn't been any moment because they are out of that game so quickly and the next game against mm-hmm. San Francisco. There just haven't been any real moments of rooting, but in terms of like young players flashing – I mean, man's tackles have been outstanding. Oh, yeah. oh I definitely that's, good. Like those. that's good. Those are good. I had it written um, down. Yep. Yeah. I think uh, whenever Bryce Huff does something, that gets me excited. He had that big <laughs> tackle against uh, the Bills in the second yeah, he, game. He prematurely ended your No Nut November, according yes. to Matt <laughs> Correct. That, that was a great tweet. That was a great tweet. Yeah. Um, but what was – oh, yeah, anything Mims does, the catch against the Chiefs was great. I have that on my list, his 27-yard – uh, catch from uh, yeah, and I, I think we'll see plenty more from him too oh but oh I have to say I have to say the Patriots game finally got the juices flowing again that whole second half in terms of just the tanking interest I was definitely into that game and finishing it off with Nick Folk was that was definitely fun to watch so so sad um, rooting for the Jets to lose we don't it, do it a lot I, we think there are very sad. few times to root for that um, and Mike and I found ourselves in a position like every other Jet fan during that game not you know, hoping Nick Folk made that kick. It was it was crazy times, but those are all good. You know, positive moments. I have the number one moment of actually rooting was the Marcus May force fumble week one. The oh Jets yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's probably the that only was the time best in that moment. game. Oh, and the prior touchdown. I guess they were kind of in it at that point. We were but, excited at that point. I remember yeah. we were jumping around. But the May the May fumble definitely was like. Because I believe it was tied, and they ended a long zero drive. zero. Yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, it was scoreless. So, so yeah, I'm definitely drive? still into it at that point. First drive. Yeah. First drive. Becton throwing Frank Clark. Another yes. Good moment of the year. Uh, Dow Loggins getting the play calling when we found out mid first drive when they were driving down the field when the beat reported that. Great moment, knowing yeah. that Dow had the play. Save the, the franchise. Um, Quinnen trade rumors. So Quinnen gets rumored to be traded by Manish Mehta. They're trying to move him by the deadline. Within a minute, Hughes, Samini, and Kaz all tweeted that the rumors were false. And just having that timeline, what an, what an unreal day that was. Oh, that was cool. Back and forth. That was cool. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm looking at other ones. Like, Samini and Gates during press conferences are incredible. I keep <laughs> tweeting out, like, Samini Gates part 422. Because every, even today it happened. I watched every Gates press conference. And they're, they're going back and forth. And you could always tell Gates kind of respects that Samini's mean, been doing it for that long. He's tired of his shit that they're 0-9. So just some ridiculous – you have to look at the minor wins throughout the year because the entire year – when you think of last year, we thought it couldn't get worse from a, an optic standpoint or just being a fan. Like You can go 3-13 and this year and not feel as worse as you did last year with the mono and everyone getting injured. I don't want to be the worst team in NFL history. I would love to go one and fifteen, and the Jaguars go two and fourteen. That would be ideal for me. Yeah. I do not want to be lumped in 
with the Browns and Lions because I think a lot of Jet fans on Twitter are kind of rooting for that. I think they're okay with being – they kind of like the misery. and I, I don't know where that really came from, but there's nothing fun about being 0-16, the worst team ever. The consolation prize, of course, would be Trevor Lawrence if you get him. Yeah, and I, I mean, for me, I think the top goal is Lawrence just to get – you know, some consolation out of the season. And if they have to go 0-16, I, if, if the Jaguars do continue, continue losing, uh, I guess I'd be okay with it. But I do agree with you. I think as a best-case scenario, um, the Jaguars pick up some wins, the Jets can get some respectability, win a couple games, and still get that top prize of Lawrence. And hopefully young players play well in the process. You know, guys mm-hmm. like Quinnen, Bryce Hall, Mims, uh, backed in play well in the process to get you those wins so that would definitely be the best case but uh, I do at the same time think that Lawrence is really important just not in terms of just getting him but what he can do in terms of hiring your next coach mm-hmm. I think is important as well so if they do have to go winless I guess I can live with it but I still agree to it it's definitely not company that you want to be in and the Browns and Lions since those seasons have not really recovered I mean the Browns could make it this year it's still not a group you want to be in though so i agree hopefully the jaguars pick up some wins and you can feel comfortable and although they do have a hard schedule jacksonville does i mean they just played the packers by four points at lambeau with jake luton who looked mm-hmm. very bad so i think um that you know they definitely could steal a couple yeah are you uh you're not a harbaugh guy no i know you're a big no. arthur smith guy is he your number one arthur smith the Titans offensive coordinator. I, I do have to say there's probably some bias with Arthur Smith just because of how much we've been pushing it. Like just to see it uh, actually play out would be fun to see. But mm-hmm. I do think he is legitimately good. I mean, the work he's done in terms of taking guys who, you know, were mediocre producers and just lifting them up has yeah. been really impressive. I mean, Ryan Tanhill, long career of just average, below-average production, making him a star, Derrick Henry elevating him from um, – he. I mean, he was not the star running back we know him as now mm-hmm. before Arthur Smith came along and got him going last season. Um, he's elevated that entire O-line, made guys like Corey Davis, John Smith look good. So his work in terms of that offense has been great. And there's a lot of good off-the-field stuff too when you read about him, just in terms of players – uh, what they said about their relationships with him, which is very anti-gays, I think is important. So I do think he is a legitimate number one, but guys like the enemy, uh, I like Brian Dable as well. Matt Campbell are also up there, Todd Munkin. So I think there are some good candidates. It'll be interesting to see the next few weeks because the Titans have a ton of injuries on their offensive line. Yeah. Uh, and they have a tough schedule coming up. They play the the Colts again in two weeks. They play the Ravens next week, the Browns. Um I'm excited. I just love the fact that he'll run his running back 20-plus times a game, throwback football. And, of course, it's easier when you have Derrick Henry, but, you know, he's averaging 22 rushes per game. And, uh, you know, last year he was over that mark as well, uh, 20 a game. So that's fun to see when your guy goes 20 for 90 every game. It will yeah. help. I mean, when's the last time the Jets had a 100-yard rusher? 2018? Isaiah yeah, Crowell. Probably that Denver, Denver game with Crowell. Yeah. And then week one, I think he had 100 yards also. Those are the only two 100-yard rushers that Sam has ever had. So It's hard to do. Talking about Darnold, um, and we talked earlier, and I think 
on Twitter were pretty were pretty normal with our Darnold takes. We we thought in week two and three it was unfair to call for the tank and call for Darnold's job. Um, if you're on Twitter and there's a lot of people that do it, if you are pro Darnold, the tank for Trevor crowd attacks you. If you're pro tank for Trevor, the Darnold crowd will attack you. Me and Mike said in week two and three, give us till week 12, 13, and we'll find out where we are. If we're, you know, 0-9 going into week 11 after the bye, we, we get it. And we, we are ha- ready to have that conversation. With Darnold not playing well, Darnold getting hurt in two areas where he got himself hurt. It wasn't the offensive line crumbling around him. It was a weird play, him going down the Kansas City game. Me and Mike don't think it was like, oh, you automatically have to slide there. It was like a weird kind of in the middle. He fell, got hit, but it was on him. And and me and Mike are now ready to have that tank for Trevor and understanding where it comes from. Our problem is if Darnold was out there against the Chargers, if he went out there and went 30 for 38, 320 yards, three touchdowns, I think a lot of Jets fans would say, okay, hold back. Five more games to go, six more games to go. Maybe Darnold can go and do something. The fact that we have Flacco, we can't even have that conversation anymore. So when it comes to Darnold, I, I want to tee it up for Mike because we were looking more if we get that second pick. Justin Fields is the name that I know your site has been talking about and other sites. And Mike, do you want to kind of elaborate on the, the field stats that you went through today and if that's the right move at two? Yeah, look, I mean, if you told me before the year that the Jets would have the second pick and take a different quarterback other than Darnold, I would say it's a complete disaster. I still would not want to move away from Sam unless you get the generational guy in Trevor Lawrence. Um, I'd rather, you know, use that pick to build our depleted roster and give Sam another chance. But when you look at these numbers from Fields, last year he had 41 touchdowns and three picks. He's This year he's completing 87% of his passes. Uh, he's not a runner. He only averaged three and a half yards a carry last year, and he's averaging 2.1 yards per carry this year. What do you see from him, Michael? you think he's really a guy you would draft at two, or is he just, you know, every year there's there's X amount of quarterbacks that are, you know, quote-unquote top prospects, and he falls into that category? Yeah, I mean, it only has been – I believe they've only played three games this year, so you definitely want to see some more uh, from them. And, and it is a limited season, so it's going to be tough with everyone. But, I mean, at least based on how he's played so far – um, I mean, I think so far he's the same amount of incompletions as touchdowns. Uh, and I, I think there are a lot of good advanced stats on him with his, his true accuracy. I think he is the mo- the best uh, accuracy out of all – not completion percentage, but his – I think it was his on-target percentage, something like that. Mm-hmm. He's the most accurate quarterback so far, even more than Lawrence this year. So I, I think he has shown enough to where if you're number two, you can feel good about him. Uh, but on Darnold, like you guys are talking about, I mean, I was so very confident in him coming into this season. Uh, I know I came on with you guys and was very um, – I talked a lot about how good I felt about him, but uh, it definitely hasn't gone uh, the way that we hoped it would. Uh, and it is unfortunate because I feel like the O-line is better enough to where he's been set up to be – even if he – you know, if, even if you don't expect him to be a star, it's been good enough and – they're just his worst games this season, I think have been worse than his bad games of the past because like the Denver game, the Colts game, first bills game, people were open and he just wasn't getting them the ball. It seems like he's really regressed. So um, I, it would be nice to see him get healthy, get a chance to play with Mims, Crowder, Perriman, like Flacco did against new England and see if he can, you know, 
make a case over these past few games. So him missing this Chargers game is unfortunate from that perspective. Uh, but time is definitely running out. He's got to get back quickly so he can start to make this case because like he's starting to miss. He's missed four games now. He hasn't had a single highly productive game yet. So he's he's got to get back and play really well. So hopefully he heals up in time to make that case. But as of right now, uh, I would definitely, if, if they do fall to number two, I think I would have to take fields and wow. build around him and see what they could get for Darnold. But uh, there's still seven games left. So if you can get those final six games, uh, if you can have Crowder, Mims, Perriman healthy, see what he can do. I think he does have one last chance, but I do think he has to be not just okay, but really good to kind of make up for uh, some of the struggles he's had so far. What if he plays four great games? Like he comes back week thir- 12, 13. You think you keep him? Things wow. change so fast in the NFL. Think about it. Because think about why watching the game on Monday night and, and it's prime time, so it, ex- it, it uh, extenuates it. But if Sam comes back and plays great and the Jets win two of the last four games, it'll be hard, I think, to draft yeah. another guy. But – you know, wouldn't you rather have the offensive tab? But this is completely hypothetical now because, like you said, Sam hasn't produced at all this year. Yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting conversation if he does do it because I, I think you're right. Because as we look at it right now, he hasn't, like you said, he hasn't had a single productive game and he's missed four games. So it seems like a no-brainer. But if he does come back and you see that and he has like that late 2018 stretch – uh, going into those final four games, you know, we are still confident in him. He had his flashes, but he comes back and in the matter of four games goes from, you know, a typical rookie to a guy who we felt really good about being a franchise quarterback. It can change that quickly. So if he does do that, even like you said, four games to finish the season, say he misses this game and the next two, four games finish the season, and they do get themselves out of that top pick into number two, then I think it does become a really interesting conversation so if he plays really well final four games I think that and then you're talking about him versus fields then I think it really does become a coin toss and I mean we'd have to see like how good is he playing is he just doing pretty good is he great is he the best quarterback in the league Uh, so it depends on how well he's playing and then also what fields does Mm -hmm. over his next few games but I think there's definitely an opportunity for him to make it a conversation if they fall out of number one giving me goosebumps michael Manier. hey i don't i don't think joe douglas went into this year and i and had a thought of having a top two pick and, and moving on from darnold but the way the cards fell it's definitely a possibility i do want to touch on quick the o-line um after reading your tweets and and your breakdowns it seems back then at left tackle that's a guy you plug in there for a very very long time yeah He's shown immediately that he can make an impact. Um, Fant has been a, a, a surprise, I would say, um, based on you know your data and, and the eye test from Mike and I. GVR over the past four weeks has allowed, I forget the stat, you can correct me, but not a lot of pressures, maybe one in four weeks. And only two over the past two. Five, five games, two over the past five. And then um, by all accounts, McGovern has underperformed a little bit and Lewis has kind of slumped. So my question to you is you want to see a guy like Cam Clark. Uh, do you plug him in for a, a hot GVR, or do you kind of move him in for Lewis right now, who's been kind of a focal point in the O-line for the past two years? And and furthermore, do you see Fant remaining in 2021? Because we thought he would be 
a plug-in guy, cap casualty next year because the contract allows you to get out of it. Is Fant coming back? So two questions for you on the O-line. Yeah, on Fant, I definitely did not expect him. Uh, and not say he's been great so far, but I thought he would be sort of – that was an underwhelming signing to me. His numbers were not good in Seattle, and he was a backup there as they struggled. Uh, that, that Seattle offensive line struggled, and he couldn't even crack that starting lineup. It was mostly – just used as a sixth lineman last year, but mm-hmm. uh, Joe Blue, it really got me on board with his film breakdowns. He saw a lot of progress <laughs> from him, oh, yeah. and, and that's transpired this season. He's looked at by far the best he has in his career, and he's been a pretty average starting right tackle this season. He's kind of been inconsistent. It's, it's been erratic production. He hasn't really been consistent throughout the season, but he's had some games where he struggled and some games where he's been really good, like the last two and also the Denver game. So I think overall he's been average, and his number next year is $9.4 million, I think, which seems really high, but I think it's only supposed to be about the 10th most among right tackles. So I kind of feel like I would be okay with that for an average right tackle. It's such a hard position to get competency. We know that with the Jets, so I feel like I'd be okay with it. And him being a Douglas guy, I think Douglas would probably be okay with it. So – we still have seven games left, so he's got to maintain it. But how much of his struggles was it when he moved to left tackle? Because well, that I know was one of his yeah. worst games. Yeah. That was one of his worst games. And yeah. anytime Chuma gets into left tackle, it's disaster territory. Right. That, he, he did in the Cardinals game. That's probably his worst game. So that is a big part of it. Uh, but I do think he played better in the Miami game at left tackle. So he did kind of balance it out. Uh, but that that Cardinals game is definitely his worst, mm-hmm. I think. And that. Kind of stands out as kind of even lowers him a little bit more, but he's been the last two games he's played well. Uh, so he's starting to, and that's another thing he had to move in the middle of the season. So kind of takes away from building that just mm-hmm. the, the rapport, you know, he's playing alongside Van Roten right now. He's playing great. You had a good tweet are, about that. Yeah. On Flacco's touchdown to Perry. Yeah. Yeah. And they're complimenting each other. It's not like they're both just playing well individually. Like they're really getting a good camaraderie going. Uh, and then that kind of, that's a good transition to Lewis who does not have good camaraderie with McGovern, who I think has had a disappointing season. I don't think he's been as horrible as some of his PFF grades, but the pressures are a lot higher than they were last season. Uh, And I I do think a lot of that has to do with Lewis. And he's also played next to Andrews who is very bad. So um, I do think those two guys have kind of hurt McGovern a little bit in terms of blitzes, picking up stunts, things like that really hasn't worked out so I would put in Clark for Lewis and also Clark did play at left tackle so left mm-hmm. side might be more comfortable for him maybe it doesn't matter we don't know but I'd probably put him in for Lewis because he's really been struggling I believe fourth highest pressure rate among guards this year and Van Roten's only climbing higher higher and higher in that list as he plays better so I I put Clark in at left guard and in terms of fan, right now I'd feel good about bringing him back, but you definitely want to see the consistency maintained in the second half from him. Yeah, maybe Van Roten will come back next year too. I mean, because you think about it, these five offensive linemen have never played together, of course. Right. None of them yeah. have played with – so maybe as the season goes on, we'll see uh, a little bit more of that. Uh, if you think of Fant as, you know, kind of a, a solid surprise this year, are there any other guys in the team, maybe like a John Franklin Myers comes to mind, are they, like, what's the list if you're a Jets fan? You say, hey, look, coming into the year, I wasn't very high on these players, and, and now I'm a little bit – maybe they increased their stock this year unexpectedly. Well, one guy who definitely – and, uh, I mean, he just comes to mind first because the the recency of it. But Harvey Lange looked 
really good on Monday yeah, night. So guy. hopefully he can maintain that. I thought Blake Cashman was going to be the young inside linebacker to step up, but he can't get on the field right now. So Lang, he's got gotten the opportunity. Hopefully he maintains that. Uh, you mentioned Franklin Myers. He's been really a really good pass rusher on the interior. And then that's another position where I thought, I thought Nathan Shepard would be that interior pass rushing uh, breakout guy this year. Hasn't been him. It's been Franklin Myers. Uh, and then I think Ashton Davis has looked, he looked good in that uh, New England game. Really struggled against the Chiefs, obviously, but bounced back in that next game. Hopefully he, and I, was, I wasn't a huge Davis fan. He was pretty raw coming out of Cal, I think. But he looked very solid in the Patriots game, playing pretty much the Jamal Adams role. Uh, and then offensively, I think Crowder is a guy who deserves more credit than he's been getting. I, um, he's, I believe he still leads the league in receiving yards per game out of the slot. Uh, if not, he's up there. And he, I think he should, I, as much as he's produced, he's, he's missed a, a lot in the Patriots game and the Broncos game when he was open. Uh, I think he's a legitimate top five, uh, top 10 at worst slot guy, but probably top five based on the way he's playing this year. Uh, so I really think Crowder should be looked at more as um, a guy who can you can go into next season and be like, this is a legitimate weapon for whoever your quarterback is. I hope Crowder makes the Pro Bowl. He's averaging 82 yards a game. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, the health, the health is going to hurt him, but I, I think Becton will, though. I think Becton – I think he's getting the hype needed to be a Pro Bowler. He definitely deserves it. But I, I think – yeah, I get I think to see it would be nice to have at least one guy in the <laughs> – but I think it's going to be like a Madden Pro Bowl. It's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> Unreal. I mean, we the guys are right, Becton, Crowder, and Quinnen. If Quinnen can get back on the field as potential candidates for the Pro Bowl, not much else there. Um, a guy that I know we're kind of wrapping up in a minute, um, just wanted to touch on is Marcus May. What have you seen from Marcus May? I know they tried to use him in that Jamal Adams-type role, um, kind of pushed him back after a couple of weeks, and he's played better. Looking at the 2020-2021 team, you don't want to start brand new with your premier players. Do you think JD should bring back Marcus May? And if, if he does, what type of deal would you think May would, uh, would get? Yeah, May is going to be really interesting. They tried him out in that Jamal role early on. You had great results in the Bills game, and then it didn't play out. He missed a lot of tackles uh, in coverage. He gave up two touchdowns to Reed in that Niners game. Uh, so that was really one of them was good out. coverage. That was, but yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. That one was really good coverage, but uh, but still overall, I think the missed tackles were the biggest thing. But back at free safety, he's been better. I think uh, Blewett has kind of posted some clips, and and I've seen them also. Uh, there have been some plays where he's been beaten and been lucky. The ball didn't come his way. Uh, There's especially one against the Bills uh, where Quinn and Williams had a really good rush that bailed him out, forced Josh Allen to scramble, and missed a potential touchdown. So there have been a few of those. He hasn't been perfect, but overall the tackling has been a lot better where it was the past couple seasons. Uh, in that free safety role, covering ground uh, and limiting big plays, I think that's what he does best, and he's been doing it really well since moving back to free safety. Um, and when he does have to come into the box and defend the run, when he's coming all the way down, I think that's when he's at his best, more so when he has to take on blocks and shed them when he lines up in the box. So I think he's been good. Not great necessarily, but definitely solid. And I think you look at his body for um, 2019 this season and a few games he played in 2018, I, I think he's about as a, pr- a pretty solid free safety, you know, a deep guy who 
limits big plays for the most part, tackles well, um, is able to, in both the run game and the pass game, cover ground, um, be able to keep big plays from becoming huge plays, uh, even if he's not a big-time playmaker in terms of picks, pass deflections, things like that. He's a, a very sound guy who plays his role well. So I think it comes down to the number. I would definitely look to bring him back, but would I overpay him? I don't think so. Um, and it also depends on what Davis does because Davis has looked great playing in the – he looked great playing in the box against uh, the Patriots, but you that's not really what they projected him to be. You thought he was going to be a free safety, a guy ranging around the field. So it also depends on – uh, what he does. But last game, I thought they complimented each other well. So I look to bring back May. I'm a big fan. But at the same time, I wouldn't go too overboard for him. The second contracts with the Jets are, you know, about as rare as they Hard come. Hard to find. Hard to I have, find. I have, I have one more question. Uh, so out of the, the new Jets young cornerback core, you could call it. So out of Brace Hall, bless Austin, the newly acquired Corey Ballantyne, and I guess you could put Lamar Jackson in there. Is there a long-term starter in that group? One, at least one? I mean, I thought Austin was going to break out to that guy this season. That hasn't played out. He really hasn't looked good this season. I think he's in the he's in the top three among cornerbacks and missed tackles. Then in coverage, he's given up a lot, especially over the past few weeks. Uh, so that hasn't really played out. But Bryce Hall, I'm excited to see him. Um, I wouldn't expect too much this season. Rookie cornerbacks have been real. There really hasn't been a single rookie cornerback playing well this season. So I wouldn't expect too much this year, but long-term I like Hall a lot. So hopefully he does play out, but Austin's been disappointing. Uh, But Bryce Hall, I I was so happy when they got him in the fifth round. So I'm really excited to see what he does. Yeah. Sounds good. So we'll wrap it there. Uh, We can stay a few minutes in chat, but um, Good luck with your Knicks in the draft tonight, and uh, hopefully we see the young guys start playing well for the Jets, and then if, if all else fails, we'll get the number one pick.